Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From the FT in London, this is Hard Currency. I'm Katie Martin and here to help us find some sense in wobbly markets is Tim Graff from State Street Global Markets. Tim, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. There's a lot we can worry about going on in the markets at the moment. There seems to be a bit of a slowdown in Europe and then there's the small matter of World War Three potentially being waged over Twitter. But you wouldn't know it to look at currencies. Why are they so calm? I think the underlying reason is that macro volatility generally, outside of events, is still pretty stable. We don't have a sense that inflation is accelerating, nor do we have a sense that it's decelerating, which therefore means you don't really come to expect a central bank reaction function to change, which might drive some currency volatility. But I think even taking a step back from that, this is kind of the way things used to be. Currency volatility used to be relatively uncorrelated, not completely uncorrelated, but weakly correlated with equity volatility. So we've certainly seen equity volatility, but it's not actually that unusual to see currencies somewhat calm or at least somewhat decoupled from equities. That's kind of the way things were prior to the crisis. It's really the post-crisis environment where volatility across markets has been correlated. This, for me, is kind of a return to the old days, which maybe is no bad thing. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You know, FX used to be touted as an uncorrelated asset class. And then, yeah, I guess we've all forgotten over that long period. Exactly. And, you know, as, there's very little tech exposure in FX. There's very little that um, related to the equity market volatility of late that I think you can translate into the FX markets unless it becomes so serious and so potentially deflationary for the macro economy of, say, the US or the Eurozone. Then maybe we have some problems that central bankers will have to worry about and currencies will respond to that and you might see a pickup in volatility. But until then, it's it's hard to say that the events you've seen thus far are anything other than maybe a flush out of very extended positioning in the tech sector and some pricing for increased uh, trade war uh, fallout. Although no one seems to have got the script yet on what to do with trade war fallout. No, because I think that the narrative around it, at least as far as the, the US angle is, remains to be watch what Trump does as opposed to what Trump says. And I think that's well worth keeping in mind, particularly given some of the tweets you've mentioned with regards to to firing missiles over the last couple of days and then walking that back. That, I think, is, is all important, especially relative to trade. We've had a lot of proposals or ideas on what might happen, but the actual fact of what is to come is still very much to be determined. And I don't think until then you can have macro markets really pricing for that. On a kind of related note, emerging markets seem to be incredibly stable and and in demand. You've got some pockets of weakness, clearly. Turkish lira is getting hammered. The the ruble's been getting hosed. How sticky a situation are those two in and how big a contrast is that from the rest of the EM universe? The ruble is worrying to the extent that there is the potential for some contagion to asset markets, particularly in this latest round of sanctions. But I would say broader than that, 
Russia runs a current account surplus. Actually, oil priced in ruble terms as a consequence of the devaluation and the oil price spike is at an all-time high. So their terms of trade have improved off of the back of this. And so even though they may draw down some reserves to protect the ruble if things get a little bit worse, at least they have the ability to generate more reserves going forward through that improvement in their terms of trade. It's Turkey that I think is maybe the bigger worry because you have had a buildup in emerging market debt exposure. It runs, of course, twin deficits. Uh, It has an inflation problem. It has a central bank that may feel somewhat politically constrained from raising rates to curb that inflation problem. So for me, longer term, in the short run, they're both a bit worrying. But in the longer term, it's Turkey that is a little bit more troubling to me. Do you think we're on track for another midnight in Ankara moment? The central bank gets together and jacks up rates by 400 base. Those were the days, right? What year was that? Was that 2013? It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it seems like it's happened quite a lot. (laughs) But it's actually it wasn't that long ago. But maybe they will do something dramatic to try and stop the run. It it may well have to happen if this run in the currency continues to happen, because the external fundamentals, as I say, are are quite different from some of the other pockets of volatility you've seen in EM. Mm. And so what are those what are those flows like from your perspective into EM more generally? Well, it's been sort of the accepted consensus view to just in this environment of low yield to plow money into EM local currency debt. And that's been fine simply because the balance of issuance has been towards local currency where governments might be able to have a little bit more control unless uh, rather than it being hard currency debt. So that's been okay. But then again, at the same time, you have these external deficit countries where you can experience bouts of capital flight. And so that, I think, does remain an issue for markets to have to consider for some of these more fragile economies. What's the situation at the moment for the Chinese currency? I mean, it's interesting that, for example, we're seeing Hong Kong get involved in the market now because the the peg there is kind of getting out of line. Where, where does this end, do you think? Hong Kong tends to be one of those things that people get excited about every couple of years yeah. when we get to the top of the band and the HKMA eventually comes in and sort of makes fools out of everybody. And I suspect this time will be no different. They have plenty of ammunition to fight that should they choose you know, to do so at, the, at the, the, the right time. The renminbi is interesting because it is being touted now as a potential trade war weapon. I suspect that case is a little bit overstated. They have devalued the renminbi in the last few years, as we well know, and that created all sorts of problems back in 2015. And that was really one of the last true bouts of volatility we had in FX markets was when that happened. And I suspect that weighs in their thinking as far as using that as a potential trade weapon. And so I, I think that is reduced in terms of its its potential for, for being used. It can be maybe talked about as far as firing some warning shots back to the U.S., but I think the probability of it being used imminently is pretty low. Never say never. Never but say yeah, never, it does but, seem but, it, I, yeah. <laughs> but thinking back to blasts of nerves, it's really noticeable to me that the yen hasn't really been climbing. And normally it does when people get the heebie-jeebies right, but also the Swiss franc is not doing what it normally does. Everybody knows you get a bout of nerves, the Swiss franc goes up. Why is it not doing it now? This time around, I think, is more unusual. The yen at least did appreciate through the volatility we had in February. It has kind of stabilized the last few weeks. The Swissy is an interesting one, but at the same time, equity markets are not systemic right now. The S&P is down, I think, what, maybe 1% year to date. So we're not really talking about large drawdowns in asset markets in the first place. And getting long Swiss 
is costly to run from a carry perspective. And I think markets maybe are starting to focus on this a little bit more. I think it helps to explain why the dollar, say, which has a lot of long-term negative structural factors going against it, is actually quite stable over the last two or three months when you look at the dollar trade-weighted index or even the DXY because it's costly to short. And by the same token, the Swissy is quite costly to take a long view, even if conditions are more risk averse. Go to the yen. You're still losing in negative carry, but it's not quite as onerous a loss as the Swissy is right now. Which counts as a win. Absolutely. <laughs> um, just thinking back to the eurozone, every time we get a bout of eurozone economic data, it misses relative to forecasts. Is it time for everyone to really rethink their forecast? Because they, that seems to be where it's, it's, not, it's not the eurozone that's wrong. It's the analysts that are wrong. Yes. There's clearly been a slowdown. Does that mean that euro dollar, for example, has peaked? Do you think the euro has peaked out? It's probably close to peaking out, I think. There was an excessive amount of exuberance, I think, or at least uh, the, the consensus nature of the euro positive view at the beginning of the year was pretty overwhelming. Mm. And so I think there is room to reel that back in. I am somewhat cautious on the data in that weather in Q1 has been pretty poor. Well, look out the window. It's April and we're still having poor weather here. And I think that's still the case in the Eurozone as well. And so I think the weather can be blamed as it has been in the US for some weaker output data. But I do think that's only part of the story. There was this expectation that above trend growth would continue for the Eurozone this year. And that's a really hard ask to live up to, I think. The sort of pace that we saw at the end of last year, which was gangbusters by anyone's measure, right? Yeah. And and so it's not a case of it appreciably getting weaker, but perhaps not as strong as last year. And that, I think, is, is a very reasonable case to make. But as a consequence, the exuberance that was placed into the euro and the positioning that was put into the euro and still remains when you look at the spec positioning measures in futures markets can certainly unwind on some of this disappointment. Exuberance will not be tolerated. (laughs) Tim, we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks so much for coming in. Keep in touch with the latest on markets at ft.com slash markets. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.